Do you hate your job? Of course you do. So do Liz and Noah. Now it's time to join their conversation so you can figure out how to quit your soul-crushing job. When can I quit my job? Episode 3. Hello and welcome to another episode of When Can I Quit My Job? Joined as always by my lovely wife. Hey guys! So today we're going to be talking about IBC, the infinite banking concept, as described by Nelson Nash in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Yes. So, I forget, have you read the book? No, I have not. No? Um, but I remember you actually got it from the library, I believe. Mm. That was back in the day. When I still read actual books? Yes, and okay. um, it wasn't very big. No. I remember you brought it home. And it looks not exactly like an instruction manual, but it was just like a bigger, thinner mm-hmm. book, um, or like a yeah. textbook, maybe like a yeah. little, like a thinner textbook kind like of, like a workbook, or yeah, yeah, like a high school yeah. workbook. But no, no, I haven't read it. Okay, <laughs> but you're familiar with the concepts. Yes. So um, I should hope so. <laughs> and there's some really good resources for uh, learning more about this too. That maybe I'll wait till later to mention those. So the idea is, so Nelson Nash, um, in I think in the 70s, he ran into a financial crisis where he was facing bankruptcy and all all types of financial woes. And he was an insurance salesman, and he realized that he had these whole life insurance policies that had a built-up accrued cash value that he'd been paying into all these years and never thought to use. And so that's when it kind of dawned on him that he could be using it a whole different way. So... Did he sell the insurance that, like, the policies that... is that Was that his job or was that just yeah, coincidence? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was one of the things that he sold. So a lot of people before, I think the 1930s, used to use these policies very normally as a uh, before they the invent of the stock market and that's how a lot of people funded things back in the day. It's how Walt Disney funded Disney World. Um, was through his life insurance policy. And you had also brought up in It's a Wonderful Life, mm because we just got over the holidays, right, and watching all the holiday movies, that he brings that up. When when the bank is going out of business, one of the things he offers to try to save it is his life insurance policy, which probably doesn't make sense to most most people, but the reason is because it accrues cash value that you can actually take a loan out against that. Yeah, I would have never thought like like that line never meant anything about how he would how he had a life insurance policy. Yeah, um, but maybe that's just some ignorance or because I'm you know we're younger we're not always thinking about life insurance right. at this age. Yeah, yeah, and so. all, uh, yeah, a lot of people gloss over that line. And I never well I'd never seen the movie before this year, but but I had heard that. So yeah, it, and so and I had been thinking about the last few years getting a life insurance policy anyway just to be responsible not to be reliant upon a job especially because what we're trying to do and not have jobs so I didn't want my only source of um, life insurance to be tied to a job Um, and so the selling point 
of using whole life insurance policy. And by the way, this is another thing that we're not getting paid for. I don't sell life insurance. I don't right. get commission from referring anybody, although I'd be glad to because I really like my my guy. But so I was looking for life insurance anyway. And then I have mentioned on here already the Tom Woods show and he does a separate podcast with an economist named Robert Murphy, and he has his own financial podcast that I started listening to with his partner, Carlos Lara, who are both economists and both work closely with insurance and things like that and different financial tools and strategies. And that's where I first learned about this concept was through them. And that's where I first heard of Nelson Nash and got directed to read that book. And I thought of it the wrong way for the longest time. I, I thought of it as an investment because there's there's illustrations in the book that show you how, you know, if you build it up the right way, um, that when you hit like the age of retirement, basically it's going to, you're going to get a guaranteed rate of return. That's uninterrupted compounding interest. And then so when you hit 70, whatever, 80 or whatever age you want if, if it's built up enough you can basically just live off of the growth of it and leave it remain the same size instead of continuing to grow and without penalty and you don't get taxes income so i was that was one of the first things that attracted me to it was the qualities it has as an investment but i was thinking about it the wrong way and that's that's not really the the main draw to to using it the way we use it so it's best described as a cash flow management system so and since we're cash flow investors now that's like what we're trying to do with our money but what if we weren't i mean can it be looked at as an investment like when you say you're looking at it the wrong way other people listening Mm -hmm. like I mean is that an inappropriate way to look at it because what if you're not like investing so the way we are I actually don't know the intricacies of building a policy there's the way that Nelson Nash um, the way he figured out how to work things is you really get to know the ins and the outs of the policy the person who creates your policy for you and you tell them what you're going to use it for and they'll create it a different way depending on how you're going to be using it. But the optimal way is to build up the cash value as quickly as possible. So you can use the money or you, or you don't have to. So you build it up so you can borrow against it. Correct. So, so for you're instance... Saying the mo- yeah, so the most effective way, right. the optimal way, like it... Right. Like, like you don't have to do it this way, but right. it's okay. So, okay. So I first looked at it as guaranteed compounding interest, typically four to 5%, somewhere in that region. Um, and there's models that I've seen run where it basically combats 401ks and IRAs because it never goes down. And when a 401k goes down 50%, if it goes back up 50%, it doesn't recoup the losses. It has to go up 200% to recoup the losses. So, and that, you know, it's sliding scale depending on how much you lose, but you know, you lose 10%, you have to earn like 15 or something to that effect. So almost Uh. like if you're looking at it a little bit like apples to apples, if you're not using it the Mm -hmm. same way and kind of just comparing it against a traditional like 401k, like you're saying, Mm -hmm. that it was attractive to you in that way. It was comparable. It was comparable. Yeah. And then with the bonus of if I die. (laughs) Right. Strange to say it that way, but you know, (laughs) there's boom, a lot of money. And since it's whole life, 
as long as I don't let the, the policy lapse, it's going to pay out. You know, even if I live, if I live to, I think it's 106, they pay me, even though I'm still alive. And if I die, then they'll pay yeah. you. So eventually I learned that the the uninterrupted compounding interest, while is a great feature, and the death benefit, also of course a great feature, those are more additional benefits than main draws to it. So, um, and it's also not an alternative to a 401k or an IRA, it's more of an alternative to a bank account. Because bank accounts, that's where you, most people build their pool of wealth and they leave it in there and they earn 0.0125% or some mm-hmm. crap like that. Oh, are um, we not cussing on this? No, <laughs> I don't think we are. Oh, okay. <laughs> I expected some stronger language, but yeah, <laughs> continue. Uh huh. Yep. So the way. Yeah. Okay. So I I can see a little bit the thought process and the journey and just this comparing it to oh this is my side retirement fund to really it's actually our bank account. Right. Yes. So this isn't for when we're done living. It's for while we're living because we're going to use it all the time. So, and I'm, I'm probably, I'm describing this in a way probably very different than anybody uh, who has described it to me describes it just because I am coming from the perspective of a user of it and not a creator of it. That makes sense. So I don't have the mind of a life insurance salesman. I don't fully get like, I don't, I wouldn't have the slightest idea how to set one of these accounts up. Right. And in fact, we had to search out a state to get ours right. set up. Right. Yeah. We live in Indiana and, and my person who set ours up uh, is in Alabama. And he's got a great podcast as well called Wealth Without Wall Street. He talks a little bit about IBC on there. It's not their main focus. Their main focus is different types of cash flow investing and interviewing other types of entrepreneurs about their experiences with a background of using these whole life insurance policies to fund them. So, which is what we are doing. So, um, so we're not the experts on setting them up or anything. No. Or even if we have multiple policies, the differences between them, because like you said, right. they could be set up differently depending on how we want to use them. Right. And our two policies. So I have two policies on myself and I just took one out on my daughter too. And so my two policies are set up differently because what I was using it for was different within only set them up within like four months of each other, I think. Um, so they're set up way differently from one another, but we're using them the same way now. So the first one wasn't set up optimally for how we're using it now, but the way it works is you build up the cash value, which in our case is what we're using to invest in cash cash flowing assets, um, which for the most part right now is just land. We have a couple other types of investments that we'll probably talk about on a different episode. So basically it's the funding for our land business. And the way it works is right now, so after I set up my second policy, our monthly premium plus what's called a paid up additional rider. So the premium keeps the policy alive. Paid up additional rider goes basically straight into that bank account feature that is cash that we have access to. Um, 
it's a cash surrender value. And when we want to utilize some of that, all I have to do is call the company and they will give me a loan with no questions asked. Um, and so it is a loan. I'm not actually taking my money out of my policy. They're using the money that's in my policy as collateral to lend me a separate loan from the company, which is why even when you take your money out, it continues to grow at a contractually guaranteed rate of 4%. So the loan we take out is at 5%. So there is an incentive to pay it back. Mm -hmm. um, but the point is that any money we put in there is always going to continue to grow at a guaranteed rate of 4% because when you get the policy, you sign a contract and they that's what they agree to, uh, at least our company. So not only are we funding our uh, business with it, but you can use it to fund other things things that you would normally take out a commercial loan for like buying a car going on trips and there's there's different ways to pay yourself back the suggested way is to look up a comparable market rate or if you were to borrow from a bank like if you're gonna buy a car you can tell them that you're gonna get a loan from them or you know at least see what it would look like if you were and get their terms and basically pay yourself back the same terms as they would have given you so part of the incentive though is that you're not paying the bank back is you're actually right. you're paying yourself back your right. own money but and they do take a little bit of the interest is that right so like the, they take five percent the company takes five okay. percent interest but you're earning four percent interest so effectively uh but the five percent interest is not compounding it's it's simple interest okay so yeah effectively you're paying one percent maybe i went at this backwards maybe i should have just given the broad overview and then gone into the specifics so maybe i'll take a pause here and do the broad overview real quick even though we've gotten into specifics already but so, i thought we did the broad overview so did i we? guess i don't know maybe i feel like i didn't cover it well enough or something have at it okay <laughs> basically so for us we have two policies we pay into monthly um and they continue to grow and uh, they continue to grow because we put money in uh, three things make them grow our our monthly payments the compounding interest and then each year since it's a mutual company we get dividends every year so at the end of every year they're going to give us some extra money in there and all three of those things is what make it grow in our strategy you can use it for any strategy you'd like so we will do cars and trips and things like that but our main focus is to invest in cash flowing assets and the reason being anything we take out of there we want it to beat that five percent that we're paying back that way we pay the loan back then we have extra and the way it works theoretically over time is you build up that extra large enough to set up another account and then you do it over again so i have two accounts the person i work with has 17 uh nelson nash who created this i think had around a hundred has around a hundred maybe or something like that so basically so then for the policy like they're worth a certain amount right so is that so once you pay in that amount is that also when you just kind of don't touch it anymore and that's how like as you accumulate and open new policies wait can that, you ask that like, again i quite catch it can <laughs> like at a certain point do you stop putting money into it because you're putting mm. other money into the newer 
like a like um a snowball type effect or kind of like you kind of kind you of fill your policy yeah but you kind of so the, okay so can the, live off of that without needing to really do anything else to it yeah kind yeah so then, the way they work is you can only so the purpose of the way they're set up is to supercharge them as early and as fast as possible with extra cash that we can use that's the whole point of the way these things are constructed for this strategy so um, both of these my two policies have what are called paid up additional riders which builds up that usable cash and at five years that stops so at five years I won't be paying what I'm paying right now so just so you know I'm paying $950 a month right now for these two policies and each ha one of them has a premium and each one has a paid up additional rider within that total correct okay. yep yep yeah and i think the premium for one is almost 200 and the premium for the other is like 250 so everything else on top of that goes towards the cash value that we're able to borrow against to use for the strategy we've been talking about so the issue with these accounts can be if you not the issue can be but you have to be careful that you don't if you put too much money into it, it stops being a life insurance policy and it becomes what's called a MEC, which is a modified endowment contract um, because the government made these rules about how much money you can put in there and how soon you can put it in there. So if you put too much money in, one penny over, you MEC it. And once it's MEC, you can't undo that. And the reason that is bad is because that means when you take money out at that point, it's taxable as income. So the person who sets your account up has to know exactly where that threshold is and make sure you'll never go past it. And that's also why you would open additional that's accounts. That's exactly right. Exactly right. So Okay. So So to use it quicker because let's say you were wildly successful like Mhm. The land business is going crazy for us. Mm -hmm. We can't just dump all the money into Ex our two accounts. Exactly right. And that's why, because it sounds almost nuts. So, like, why would there be someone with 17 of these or 100 right. of these? Yep, that's why. Tax implications. Always. The government. The government, yes, because it's what the wealthy do, the ultra-wealthy. They find every way they can to put their money in places where it won't be taxed. and um, All because of that government. That dang old government. Um, that's another topic. Yeah, that's... Um, so, yes, so that's why we will continue to create new policies over the years. And, and what's great is, at least right now, you know, we're healthy and things like that. So you, you want to do it as soon as you can, too. Right. Because uh, premiums will change. Like, I'm 38, but I got a nice, good, clean bill of health when I got all my blood work and stuff like that. So if I want to ride that. If I get diagnosed with something, I might lose my ability. So at least mm -hmm. we'll have these always going forward. So like I said, we pay $950 a month into those. And that gives us just over $500,000 of um, death benefit. And that amount will pay out if I reach 106 years old. So I'm rooting for you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, <laughs> And, and I, I mentioned that I just started one for my daughter. So we initially had a bank account for her, but I didn't want it just to sit there and lose money because of inflation. So I was looking for a way to invest her money so it could perform somehow from now until she's eight years old, until she turned, I wanted her to have access at 18, 
uh, with my permission and have full access at 21 was my initial plan. And the first thing we looked into was a 529, but I am skeptical of the education systems, secondary education, and uh, 529 stipulates that you have to use it for college, and I didn't like that, so I... I it's s- a bit restrictive. It's restrictive, yep. And I wanted her to be able to use it for a car if she needed, or, you know, to use it the Down way Down payment she- on a house if she wants. Exactly. Well, you know, a wedding. Yep. Who knows? <laughs> Not a wedding. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not till she's 30. Um, but uh, so 529 didn't seem like a good option. So I did some research with my old financial advisor who believed in the market. And uh, he directed me towards an UTMA, U-T-M-A. I couldn't tell you what it stands for, but basically the function is the same as a 529, except you cannot use, or you do not have to use it for college, and it doesn't earn quite as high a percentage. So better than a bank account, right? Like or just a regular savings account, but not quite as fancy as a 529, but with more leeway. Um, So that was my solution I came up with um, for a while, Um, but we decided to basically transition that into a life insurance policy for her which we will I wanted to put it all in there as a lump sum but because of that mech rule we couldn't put it all in at once the most we could put in our initial payment was I think 1700 and then we have $230 payments to slowly build up over time for her And she can either use it the way we're using it to buy assets or she can use it to buy a car and pay herself back uh, instead of paying the bank. Something I should have mentioned earlier, there's a statistic that says I think a typical adult American pays something like 35% of their outgoing money towards interest, which is captured by banks. So this is a way to mitigate the second largest expense of most people's lifetime uh, after taxes. So really using, giving that momentum back to your own money. And it's really a great way to build uh, a pool of wealth within your own family because I can lend money to my daughter and I could charge her 10% interest if I want, which would help her in the long run anyway, because after I'm dead, she'll end up with my money. So, (laughs) you know, instead of paying a bank, she can pay me and she'll get it down the road anyway. So, and a lot of people who have these accounts, that's the way they use them. So our strategy really is while that pool of wealth is growing right now, the cash that's available to us, it's built up so far is just over $18,000. And really once it builds up, I feel it kind of my obligation to be finding a better place to park that money to be earning more than 5%. So I'm basically always open looking for opportunities. Right now, the focus is on our land business. So I am letting it kind of pool there just at the moment. So we have it when we need it. But, you know, after after the land business is up and running, the business itself will probably have its own life insurance policy. We probably just need like one year worth of buying and selling to just have it all sustaining itself. And at that point, we'll be looking for other opportunities for putting... Uh, the built-up cash value on our policies. So when you say the business will have its own, is mm-hmm. that one that really you would take out on yourself again that's dedicated to the business? Is that what you mean? Yeah, I believe there's ways to do it through your company. I think, yeah, I'll have to look into how that works because I'm not yes. sure 100%. Stay but... tuned. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, and for <laughs> I instance, I my financial advisors and I have talked about collaborating. And if we were to do that and have a financial interest in each other, we 
we can take out policies on each other. And I think they do that already. So like I said, the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, that is my financial advisor, Russ Morgan, and his partner, Joey Murray. Uh, it's a really great podcast. And I believe they both have policies on each other because they have financial interest in each other. So I'm not sure if that has to go through an LLC because I know you can't obviously have a life insurance policy on an LLC, but an LLC, I believe, can have a policy on a person. So I'll have to find out the ins and outs of how that works because we haven't delved into that territory quite yet. But Some more stuff to come. Yeah, exactly. And another great podcast to find out more about this is the Laura Murphy show that's l-a-r-a lara it's carlos lara and robert murphy uh lara murphy show they talk about that on there and they have nelson they both have nelson nash on them both both of those podcasts do um he's like 90 years old or something but he's wow yeah he's a spunky southerner he's fun, oh. fun to listen to so yeah i guess is that a good place to wrap up yeah i think so if, unless you have any other final thoughts i think we're about at our time. Yeah, I th- I have plenty more thoughts, but I I think we'll sprinkle them in as we're discussing our strategy in future episodes. So thanks for for joining us for another episode, and we should start saying subscribe. Yeah. Uh, you guys want to subscribe to the podcast, auto download, do all that stuff. I'm sure by the time you're listening to this, hopefully we'll be on iTunes and Podcast Addict, anywhere you can find podcasts. So yeah, uh, subscribe and and tune in next time.